Welcome to the Littler Workplace Policy Institute podcast. Insider briefings on the latest legislative and regulatory developments affecting employers. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Michael Lutito, the co-chair of Littler's Workplace Policy Institute. Thanks for listening. I'm here with my colleague, Jim Peretti, former chief of staff to Ms. Vicki Lipnick of the EEOC. Jim's coming up on his one-year anniversary with us, and he's an integral part of WPI. So, Jim, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me here this morning. So our topic this morning is discussion of California Assembly Bill 5, or AB 5, as it's come to be known. Tell me, what is AB 5, and why should people on the podcast this morning be interested in hearing about it? AB 5, in my opinion, is the most significant labor and employment law issue in the country today from management's perspective, because AB 5 codifies a decision of the California Supreme Court called Dynamics. We're going to get into this in a second with more detail, but just to give everybody an overview and a context, AB5 is currently being considered by the California legislature. Sometime towards the middle of September, it will be sent up to the governor that will make a decision as to whether or not he will or will not sign it, and that decision will be made sometime in the middle of October, probably for an effective date on January 1. And it deals with whether or not an individual is an employee or an independent contractor. The direct impact in California is that it can upset literally hundreds of thousands of jobs, result in phenomenal amounts of liability, have a direct impact on the innovative way uh, that companies, especially in our e-economy, have been dealing with what I refer to as the dynamic workforce, where individuals really want flex security. And what's really happening is that we're taking laws that were enacted primarily in the 30s. In this particular case, laws that have been existing in California for 30 years and totally upending them and trying to apply rather archaic rules and regulations to a thriving economy that is completely different. So that broadly is what AB5 is, but now maybe you could tell everybody what this dynamics is all about and sure. give us a little bit more. Right, well to be precise, you mentioned the 2018 decision of the California Supreme Court in a case called Dynamics. And in that case, as you know, the court ruled that it adopted a very narrow standard for determining whether someone is an employee or an independent contractor under the law. And by narrow, I mean, I think there are going to be a, a far fewer workers are going to be classified as true independent contractors and many, many more are going to be classified as employees, meaning they enjoy the protections of the state's labor code, its wage and hour laws and orders and things of that sort. In Dynamics, the court adopted, uh, the Supreme Court of California adopted what was known as the ABC test. And under the ABC test, you have a three-pronged test to, that an employer, the burden's on the employer to prove that someone providing services to them is in fact an independent contractor and not an employee. And as I mentioned, without getting into the weeds of what each prong of the ABC test is, it is a very demanding test, it is a very narrow test, and I think most folks think, particularly with certain segments of the e-economy, the gig economy, it's gonna have a very, very significant impact in that many, many workers who are currently classified as independent contractors may now be reclassified as employees. And, you know, people, tend to think that, you know, this only applies to, you know, those headline companies, but its application is much broader than that. 
You know, I had an individual talking to me the other day, and the church choir has independent contractor musicians, and they're concerned under the ABC test that these individuals are now going to have to be classified as employees, and the church has no money to incur an additional 25 or 30 percent from a comp standpoint, let alone the potential back pay liability that could exist based on a retroactivity issue that we'll address in a second. It has issues with respect to country clubs. It has issues in all different kinds of ways. And I can tell you that the one thing about AB5 and Dynamics that is now operating with great vigor is the universal law, and that is the law of unintended consequences. And we're just beginning to see what those consequences are. Sure. And if I understand correctly, Assembly Bill 5, its purpose is to sort of codify that dynamics decision and adopt the ABC test across a range of California employment laws such that it's you know, sort of cemented in place going forward. Is that a, broadly speaking? Yeah, that a broadly speaking. We've, we've published uh, uh, one of our ASAPs on this that's, uh, that's on our website that uh, gives a lot more information. We were recently pleased that Employment Law 360 came to us and published our analysis on this. So if you get a subscription to 360, uh, you can receive it. If you're having trouble finding any of these things, you can certainly send us a note and we can, we can share them with you. But on the retroactivity issue, one of the things that happened is that the California Supreme Court and Dynamics didn't really address whether the decision was or was not retroactive. In another case in front of the Ninth Circuit called JanPro, the Ninth Circuit said there was retroactive application to this, meaning there's potential problems going back four years, but just very recently, JanPro and the Ninth Circuit, they withdrew their decision. They certified the question of retroactivity to the California Supreme Court, which is good news, but since AB5 is codifying the Dynamics decision, the Dynamics decision is not clear on the issue of retroactivity, so what is AB5 going to do? So we're in a great deal of confusion on this, and probably people are saying this is just another reason why we're happy we don't do business in California. But California is where so many of our employment trends begin sure. to float east to affect everybody else. And I was surprised, based upon our research, that some form of the ABC test is in a vast number of states. It tends to be more focused on unemployment and workers' comp because there's different societal implications as to whether or not you want to have a finding of employee status for individuals that are maybe out of a job or have been injured on the job than it might be for purposes that we're talking about here. But it's going to be a very easy leap for those states to consider ABC. And we also know that there are a number of states, including Washington, Oregon, we think New York is going to be considering these. And since we have a number of jurisdictions that try to out-progress of one another, this is going to really have a significant flow. And for companies that operate in many jurisdictions, it's very difficult to say that if you're doing job X in California, you're an employee. If you're doing job X in Nevada, you're an independent contractor. Sure. It, it, it just makes it very difficult for a compliance purpose. So I understand uh, AB5 has been approved by the California Assembly, and it's now pending in the state Senate. Is that correct? What's, what's the status of the bill, and what's, if any, is there an anticipated timeline for what may, you know, how this may all play out? Yes, it is being considered by the, uh, the Senate. The Senate is, is now gone until, I think it's August 12 or 13, where they'll be back in session for a month. Uh, I think, as everybody knows, both the California Assembly 
as well as the uh, California Senate are totally controlled by Democrats, and there's a Democratic governor. So this cannot really be stopped. The issue is whether or not there'll be significant amendments to the bill that came over from the Assembly. The principal sponsor of this, Representative Gonzalez, admitted in a recent hearing uh, before a Senate committee that more work needs to be done. As a matter of fact, she said, I'll be working on this, I think, for years. That may not be of much comfort to our clients that are looking for certainty. So we'll see what kind of exemptions ultimately get in the bill. There are many businesses that are attempting to get an exemption. There's very intense discussions going on that are taking place, most of which are under the covers, but some of them get on top of the covers and have even been publicized in articles in the New York Times. Dynamics involves a very dynamic process. It sounds to me like the California state legislature is essentially considering to, you know, we'll pass a law and then we'll figure out what it means over the next four or five years. That doesn't seem like a source of great comfort to many of the folks listening on our podcast today. What is WPI, what is the Workplace Policy Institute doing with respect to AB5? How can our listeners and clients get involved here? What, what is a practical matter should we be focusing on as this bill continues to move at what seems to be a fairly uh, brisk pace through the legislative process? WPI and Littler has formed a task force of our own internal folks that are going to deal with all of the different compliance issues that are going to arise as a result of dynamics in, in AB5. This includes uh, wage and hour designs for the workforce and a variety of other things, including taxing issues. So we're addressing them. I've mentioned that we've published uh, an ASAP on this. On August the 8th, we're going to have a, a nationwide webinar. There's materials about that for sign-up purposes. It's on our website. We're also going to publish a major paper on August 8th, uh, dealing with all of the implications for dynamics in AB5 which we're going to make sure that every person in the Assembly as well as the Senate and the governor's office receives. We will see what the legislation looks like. We may decide to write to the governor and voice our point of view. We are engaged with client discussions about the implications of this, including private equity firms that are wondering whether or not it makes sense to invest in these types of companies, given all of the uncertainty right now that exists. So we've got an all-hands-on-deck with respect to this. And one thing that we've done is that you, the principal author of a special piece on franchising, sure. um, dealing with AB5, that's also on our website that, uh, that you may want to comment on. Sure, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned earlier, I think many folks are looking at this uh, employee independent contractor question as one that sort of affects high-profile segments of the gig economy and may not have, you know, as much of a bearing on, you know, day-to-day -day operations of a lot of other businesses. But in fact, uh, you know, born to its natural conclusion, or certainly it is being argued that this ABC test should be applied more broadly beyond simply the context of independent contractor status, but instead to argue that, say, in the franchising context, the master franchiser, the national brand who franchises, say, its restaurants out to independent franchisees around the country. 
up till now the law has been pretty clear that the franchisor licenses a franchisee, the franchisee hires its workers, and those workers are the franchisee's employees. There are some on the employee advocate side who are arguing that under Dynamics and AB5, those franchisee employees, in fact, are not only employed by the franchisee who hired them, but as well as the master franchisor sort of at the top of the chain. The practical effect of this is, you know, say I'm working for you know, Mr. Latito's burger franchise, I may sue Mr. Latito if, I'm, if I don't believe I'm paid the wages I owed, but he may or may not be able to, to pay. You know, he may or may not have the, the wherewithal to, you know, if a judgment's in my favor. If I can also name the national franchisor, the deeper pocket, that to me seems to be, you know, a much more appealing target if I'm a plaintiff's attorney. So while much of this conversation around AB5 and Dynamics has sort of concerned the independent contractor question and its impact on those market segments, there is potentially, as you, in, you know, invoked earlier, the law of unintended consequences, there's a potential significant and potentially devastating effect on a lot of other business models. You know, some, including myself, have said, it, you know, taken the wrong way, this line of cases could be the, uh, you know, the death of franchising in the state of California. Well, we certainly have said that it's at a crossroads and it's something that has to be seriously looked at and there's, a, there's some litigation that's going on that deals with some of these concerns that are raising some of these issues that'll be ripe for decision, but there'll be litigation that's gonna take place over an extensive period of time. And this is all referenced in the paper that, uh, that we produced dealing with franchising. So it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And on that note, you've mentioned several times, uh, you know, some of the papers we've published on AB5 on its impact on franchising. Certainly, folks who are on the call today, if you are not already subscribed to our you know, news feed to receive our insights, our client ASAPs, which are sort of short, condensed versions of the important issues of the day, certainly we will use those uh, that streaming system to get out these messages as these developments occur. So you might want to check if you're not currently subscribed to be receiving that, that may be something you want to wish to consider. And always check your spam filter. And always check your spam filter. One other area that, you know, people always want to know is, so what do I do? This is in a legislative process. Well, I certainly think you should be talking to your trade associations and similarly situated businesses to see whether or not this is something you want to engage in or if your association is already engaged in it. Certainly the California Chamber of Commerce has been taking a lead role in this, but others are engaged too. And some are having fly-ins like the International Franchise Association probably around the third week or so of August. They're going to have a fly-in in Sacramento. If you've never been in Sacramento in the third week of August, it's a real thrill. So you'll be really looking forward to that. Too bad you're not going to be able to bring your bathing suit to, uh, to the Senate and to the Assembly. But in all seriousness, being prepared in order to talk about the implications to your business and these different business models and the complexity of this and the rush to judgment, I think it's important to get you know, all of your stakeholders involved. There is a huge internal communication program. You know, what do you say to these independent contractors who may become employees? What do you say to independent contractors who want nothing to do with being an employee? You know, there's a rather famous situation uh, with a barbershop in, uh, in Sacramento where the independent contractor barbers actually went out and on the sidewalk protesting that they didn't want to see their status change when whoever owned the barbershop was thinking about changing it. And I guess since a lot of the assembly people use the barbershop, that's one of the reasons why barbers now have an exemption. So you can identify what your position is, not just from the company standpoint, but also from the worker standpoint. Um, because the worker may be 
perfectly happy with flex security in the status of independent contractor. And their voice really needs to be heard as well. How that voice is um, captured, who says it, in what fashion, there's obviously a lot of design features there. But others are going to be interested. If you're a public company, you know, what do your investors think? Uh, what do you have to do from a governance standpoint? What kind of liability might be incurred here? Does that have an impact with respect to any kind of reporting obligations that you may have? So that needs to be taken into account. Essentially, what, what I've called upon is uh, every company that's impacted by this should have an internal task force of different silos within the organization. You know, there'd be finance, government relations, investor relations, so that there's an integrated approach to dealing with this issue. Well, I know we're coming up on our time with our audience this morning. It sounds to me like this is a, you know, a complicated issue, but one that is moving quickly and that we'll be needing to keep a close eye on uh, in the weeks and months to come. Our eyes are glued to this issue. It, it feels like it's become my life, and it's become a significant portion of your life and Bruce Archer's life uh, yeah. and some of the other people. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to report that we're on top of it and that the firm's taking a leading position on this. I'm sorry that this raises a great deal of uncertainty, and uncertainty at a very difficult time in the country, you know, where so many people are saying that this great run that we've had, this historical run of economic expansion, you know, now for 10 years is going to come to an end sooner as opposed to later. And if you engage in experimentation in the fifth largest economy in the world by reclassifying hundreds of thousands of workers with the law of unintended consequences working overtime, I guarantee you it's not going to be good for business certainty, and it's not going to be good for business growth, and it's not going to be good for the kind of innovation that California is known for. Well, as I head off to the beach next week, I'll look forward to bringing my California Supreme Court case manual and the Code of California State Regulations as we try to decipher uh, what this means for California employers. Looks like it's going to be a great summer. That's, it's absolutely a great summer, and Jim, you've just proved once again that you, like me, have no life. So enjoy your vacation, reading all of the exemptions in AB5 as I bombard you with emails saying, what the heck does this mean? Look forward to seeing you on the other side. That's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for, for listening and joining us. Again, consider signing up via our website to make sure you're getting up-to-date alerts and developments on each of these issues. Um, on behalf of the Workplace Policy Institute, Michael, as always, you get the last word. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to, uh, to help our clients, to give them a voice. And if AB5 is not an example of where clients really need a voice from a policy perspective, I don't know what is. Because most of the time, you know, the client comes to the lawyer to say, what do I do with something that's already happened? Littler believes that you have every right to have a significant voice in what's going to happen before it actually does. So we're happy to talk to you. Terrific. Thank you so much. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.